Welcome to the Broadcast Sport Podcast. My name is Jake Bickerton. I'm the Editorial Director of Broadcast Sport. This podcast series brings you exclusive interviews with sports content makers. In this episode of the Broadcast Sport Podcast, we're bringing you a recording of one of the fantastic speaker sessions from a sold-out Broadcast Sports Summit held at Lord's Cricket Ground on 1st of November 2023. So if you don't know Scott Young, he's the Senior Vice President of Content and Production at Warner Brothers Discovery Sports Europe. Uh, He's one of the people responsible, I'm going to say, for the changing sports broadcasting landscape in the country with a recent introduction of TNT Sports. I'm sure you're all very excited to hear from Scott about what they've been up to, what is still to come. Uh, Thank you, Scott, firstly. Pleasure. Uh, you weren't here earlier when I said you are the man responsible for my lack of sleep, having me fly across the world on MotoGP to Thailand recently. So if the questions don't come out the way I want them, blame this guy here, okay? Just, I'm Scott. <laughs> I'm Rachel. We're strapped in for this ride. Okay, I guess everyone might have watched as well a massive offering that, that Scott had at the weekend, which was Battle of the Baddest. We had Fury and Ganyu. Were you there in Saudi, Scott? How did it go down? I, I was not. I was elsewhere. It was a phenomenally successful event, um, an incredibly challenging event for us because we were the host broadcaster, um, which is not what we intended to be going in. We originally looked to acquire the rights, um, but our partners asked us to step up as host broadcaster to ensure that the production coming out of Saudi Arabia was to their liking and was to the standard of which the fight was to that standard. So. Ten rounds of an incredible battle. Um, lots of discussion about who should have won, may have won, but that's live sport for you. Um, but that no, was brilliant. Uh, and, and, a, and a really a successful journey for our team, a learning journey for our team. 122 people in country. Uh, another roughly 100 people supporting uh, back at the different bases. So yeah, it's, it, was a, it was a big weekend for us. A tease, I think, of what's to come on TNT Sports as well. Uh, we'll talk a lot about TNT Sports in a couple of moments, but obviously that, that's new. Let's go back to, to Warner Brothers Discovery Sports. Uh, obviously, they've been around for ages, Eurosport. We all know a couple of those brands. So let's actually just bring you up to speed with what they do. So many sports covered there and so many iconic moments captured as well. How many sports do you currently show? Seven, is it up to the 70s now? Well, the, the 73 sports in just the TNT portfolio, um, in, in the Eurosport portfolio across our other uh, 50 markets, um, which we do in 20 languages, um, the, the number is exponentially rising. So, yeah, a, a, a lot. And he obviously is a very busy man. He's across every single sport. He watches it all. No, I, I'm joking. But let's start, I watch though. everything you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All the mistakes as well. Uh, let's start, though, Scott, with Warner Brothers Discovery, because that's still very much on air and it's going. What, what are, I guess, the current focuses is with that brand in particular? And what are we still going to see coming out of Warner Brothers Discovery in the next few months, in the next year? Well, Warner Brothers Discovery is very new in, in its infancy. Uh, one of our very senior executives talks about us being a teenager in regards to a sports and entertainment business, and we're finding our legs very quickly. Um, sport is entertainment. Um, And I think as we start to understand how we package all that together as an audience enjoys their favourite sport and then how do they migrate to their favourite piece of entertainment or vice versa. Um, The experience for Warner Brothers Discovery and then Warner Brothers Discovery Sport is how do you surface brands and then content and then platforms so that people can enjoy the sport they want 
where they want to access it. And some of the, the amazing sport we saw in that reel, and I appreciate the introduction, but I'm just one of many, many people who make this happen day in and day out. You have to be a sports fan. Uh, and I think for everybody in this room, if you work in sports, you'll know it's not a nine to five job. It's a genuine passionate and commitment to, to the content and making sure the content gets to the people who want to enjoy it. And every part of that is a challenge in its own right. And we rely on amazing staff, amazing freelancers, trusted partners, to make that work every day. Um, I think sport is very personal. Um, it's the last bastion to appointment to view. You can pretty much gather any entertainment you want wherever you want at your destination these days, but live sport still matters. And I think that's the piece we still find that when it's live, it's still captivating. And if you're emotionally connected to the team or the sport or the athlete and therefore the result, you want to connect live. And I think that's what we're really finding and how we surface not just Tier 1 sports, but all the sports we have across Eurosport. I think Eurosport in the continent of Europe is, is very much a loved brand. It's, it's, a, little, it's a little bit different um, in, in the UK, where it's in a, a mass sports market, uh, one of the largest sports markets in the world. But in Eurosport, where for over 30 years, this brand has had great recognition and heritage. Uh, we broadcast to 130 million subscribers. We have over 30 million subscribers in the Eurosport.com business, um, which goes across as our digital platform. Um, and people love the sport that we surface, mostly cycling and tennis in volume, but also, as you know, from British Superbikes, World Superbikes, now MotoGP on the TNT side, um, we're bringing together a lot of sport under one roof. And in terms of sports, we're still going to come out of Warner Brothers Discovery in the next couple of years. And, and what Warner Brothers Discovery is going to do in the next couple of years as well. Is it gonna continue alongside TNT Sports? What's the plan for it, Scott? Well, Warner, Warner Brothers Discovery is the business, um, but not necessarily the brand, right? So HBO Max is one of the very known brands in the US. Um, we've launched Max in the US this year. We've just launched Sport on Max in the US. Um, we've also announced that Max will be launched in Europe uh, coming up soon, uh, ahead of the Olympics, which is going to be a really important moment for us. Um, as the home of the Olympics in Europe, that's a pretty significant undertaking for us. Um, and the last two Olympics have been a, a, a bit of a challenge, uh, mostly driven by COVID, which has just stopped us accessing the athletes. And if I have to look back to Tokyo and Beijing, the biggest challenge we had there was really connecting with the stars of the sport. For all the right reasons, I mean, we had to make sure everybody kept their distance, but our role as a sports broadcaster is to tell the story of the athletes and their journey and their victories. And I think to come out of a COVID-impacted Olympic Games into Paris 2024 next year, that's going to be one of the biggest you know, sports properties we have, but it's only one of the biggest. Uh, our tennis team constantly remind me that the Australian Open, Wimbledon, Roland Garros, the US Open are also two-week sporting events that you know, require a lot of effort and attention to broadcast to everybody across Europe. So the brands uh, are, are what's customer-facing, so Eurosport, TNT Sports, Discovery Plus and eventually Max, they're the brands that people see and it's the sport that's on those brands that really connect. You mentioned quite a lot about the Olympics there. Obviously, it's Europe's, or Warner Brothers Discovery is the home of the Olympics in Europe, as, as Scott just alluded to. Now that you have Warner Brothers Discovery and, and Eurosport and TNT, are we going to see any changes for the Olympic coverage next year? Is it going to sit across a number of your channels or will it stay on Warner Brothers Discovery? 
Well, it'll it'll stay on. So Eurosport is the home of the Olympics, and Discovery Plus is the streaming home of the Olympics. Um, Max will will take that position in over 20 markets as we start to roll out Max in Europe. Um, the small difference is that in the UK market, Discovery Plus remains until the end of 25. Uh, that's connected uh, through our output deal with Sky, um, through the HBO content on Sky Atlantic. Um, so it, it creates a bit of a uh, complicated web in regard to the, the release of Max. But uh, we are the home of the Olympics and Paris 2024 is our home games. Um, and Time Zone is probably one of those biggest pieces as well. For the first time in four Olympics, uh, where the programming is not starting at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I think for an audience who loves the games, they want to wake up with the games, they want to experience the athletes that we have as part of our team, you know, the places that we can take um, our audience to um, as far as our Olympic production is concerned. Um, I think that's what our unique experience will be. Uh, every moment of Paris 2024 of the Summer Olympics will be available on our streaming platform. Um, it is the most immersive experience that you can get as an Olympic fan. Uh, so from our linear proposition, we will provide you the very best of what's happening on that day across our main linear networks. And from our streaming platform, you'll be able to see absolutely everything that takes place on that day at your discretion on your platform of choice. And I don't know of a larger offering anywhere in the world where every moment that is going to take place in Paris 24, you can watch at your choice. 269 days to go. Uh, this man's going to be very, very busy if he's not already. Well, that's kind of answered a couple of questions around WBD and Eurosport. Obviously, a lot going on, HBO Max and TNT. TNT is probably what you all want to kind of learn about a little bit more and, and what we're going to see coming from TNT, which la launched on the 1st of August. So let's just tease you a little bit with a reel from TNT Sports. I'm sure you've all seen that loads of times on, on social media, but it uh, still does a great job, doesn't it, of, of making you laugh and gasp and everything else as well. Uh, Scott, I guess the big question is why? Why now? Why TNT Sports? Why did you decide it was time to kind of do that joint venture? And, and take over BT Sport and bring it into, into everything else that you do at Warner Brothers Discovery? Uh, the simple answer is why not, um, but, but, I, but I'll expand. Um, and it's certainly not me. Um, our, our leaders in our organisation are very good at, uh, at seizing opportunities when they arise. Um, and there was a moment in time where BT looked for an option for its sports business and, uh, and we worked very hard to work out how, how did BT Sport best fit into the WBD Sports ecosystem um, at a time when Warner Brothers was merging with Discovery. Um, this time was a rapid rate of change that I don't think many people will ever quite understand and our teams uh, always deserve applause internally and externally for, for what they managed in those moments. Um, the, the, one of the reasons that we did this is because what I alluded to before and that is that Max cannot launch and won't launch in the UK until 2026. So what are we going to do as far as a hero brand in this market between now and 26? So that's, that started the why, you know, so the opportunity was there. Then we looked to, to how do we reimagine a successful sports platform in one of the largest sports markets in the world uh, that carries some of the most premium sport on offer. Um, and as you probably worked out, I'm Australian, so uh, it's, it's taken me a while to work out that, you know, it's football, 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 football as the primary sports in this country, the bit of daylight and then everything else. Um, 
but you know, and that very much drives you know channels like Sky and and very much like TNT Sports. Um, but we worked together with the team to work out a joint venture operation of which we're now in with with the BT Group to run TNT Sports, which means the the rights proposition comes through a operating board, but the entire content and production and delivery of TNT Sports now sits and rests with with WBD Sports and the team in, in the London. Um, it's given us a, a great presence in this market. I mean, having, having phenomenal sports on Eurosport has always been our DNA and will continue to be. Um, but having these elevated premium sports such as the Premier League, such as the UEFA slate of rights that we have, uh, domestic rugby, MotoGP, the fight sports we have, I mean, this, there's an incredible slate of sports in there that really engages a different audience um, as we go through the season. Um, it is a different season. Eurosport is calendar. Um, whereas due to the football season, we operate off that football season calendar, so it's, it's that they dovetail quite nicely together. And obviously it, it is a launch pad for Discovery Plus to be a main sports broadcaster in this market. So when we looked at the opportunity, um, why not, was, was very much a, a pretty simple answer to that. The journey of bringing TNT Sports to life has been quite extraordinary. Um, and I'll let you go. Well, I wanted to kind of continue, obviously you were saying about why, why not, what then are you doing and have you done already in the three months that you launched August the 1st, um, actually the, one of the first shows was Silverstone MotoGP uh, that you guys had, had on air there, but I obviously w work on their channel and I watch a lot of their output and I see quite a lot of new, engaging things that we haven't seen before. Is that something you're looking to do, kind of be a disruptor a little bit without being too disruptive and obviously very respectful of, of the sports involved. I think the, the, the program that you just saw there was put together by a, a brilliant group of people who have, disruptor is great, maverick, uh, rip up the playbook, unconventional. The, these are genuine terms that we sat down and put up part as our brand manifesto and said this is what we would like a reimagined sports business to look like. Uh, at that point, we hadn't determined the name TNT Sports. Uh, internally, there was a sense of logic because that is what our sports business in the US is called. Um, but we wanted a sports brand in this market that was unknown. Uh, we were very lucky after we did quite a lot of market research that TNT Sports wasn't really known by a UK audience. In fact, 80% of the audience that we surveyed had not heard of TNT Sports. So we're very lucky to end up with a brand that was new in market and aligned to our other sports businesses in the US and LATAM. Um, so that brand manifesto gave us a real direction um, and it landed on right by the fans. We are fans of sport for fans of sport. Everybody who works in front and behind of the camera operates to this brand manifesto. Um, all of our planning through our casting and our production, we've put these four pages up on a wall and said this is genuine. Uh, this is not a marketing exercise which you put in the bottom drawer. We're going to live and die by this because it gives us a North Star, which is sometimes a very frustrating reference that never makes much sense. But in this sense, it, it did give everybody a bit of an ideal of this is what we want to be. So we didn't want to disconnect from fans. We wanted to make this for fans. And, and that very much flows through to our presentation style. It flows through to our conversations with sporting federations and sporting bodies about the access that we need. Um, and the fact we're not just going to be what we used to be last year. History is not our way forward. We want to be different, 
but we don't want to disconnect. And I think there's a fine line between between being um, reflecting the community of which we're broadcasting and starting to look a little bit disconnected to what we're trying to do. I mean, the sport, football fans particularly, love their, love their sport, they love their team. So you can't disconnect completely, but I think being, being true to the narrative that how people talk about that sport is very important how we deliver it. I don't know if you guys have, have watched a lot of it, but a couple of successes as well. Uh, I think Scott and I have spoken about just trying to take the fans somewhere they haven't been before as well. An example being, I think it was Bukayo Sacco's goal maybe for Arsenal at the beginning of the season. Um, Scott and the team had the idea to take Rio to the point where he received the ball to score the goal. And sounds kind of easy, right? But taking a player and getting him to relive that moment and talk directly about it rather than having him on like next to where the studio setup is on the side of the pitch, for me, was a success. And you've got so many great examples of that that I'd love you to share, Scott, just in terms of what you are successfully doing to be this maverick in this new kind of TNT sports world. Uh, personally, I'm being annoying because I, as I sit in the football meeting that we have every Tuesday and go, are you sure? Why don't we do something different? Um, that then plays out to a hall of people who are, in, in, you know, who I have to applaud every day, pick up the crumbs of the chaos that I try and create, and myself and many other people, and take that to something that's tangible that we can put on air. Um, and Sam Trustee and David Moss and the team that run our football division, you know, they are working with the Premier League every day on that fine line of not having the door slammed in our face, but working on innovations and locations. Um, I was lucky enough to be very close to when we did that piece at Arsenal, where the Premier League looked at me and said, We've never done this before. We think this is groundbreaking. I sit here as an Australian going, there's a bunch of people standing on grass talking to a bloke who kicked a goal about half an hour ago and everyone's gone home. Not entirely sure why that's groundbreaking, but I think that's the thought-provoking nature of why can't we? Working very closely with a partner like the Premier League, who says, why not? Um, and I just think it's sometimes just, just asking the questions. Um, we've got great response from the Premier League teams and, and, the, and UEFA and team working across those championships as to where we can access. And, and I have two very simple, somewhat binary plans to this. Take me there and make me care. Take an audience to somewhere they can't get to. How do we as sports broadcasters and producers take people somewhere that they can't get? Even if they're on ground, we have an amazing access as sports broadcasters and producers to do this. The take me there piece, I think, is relatively simple. The make me care piece is an art, right? And, and you're one of those individuals. How do you tell a story that makes the, what's about to unfold so captivating, I can't change the channel? Right? And I think that is where you need to make sure you've got real storytellers who are, who are genuinely passionate about the sport they're working in, they're knowledgeable, they've done their research, and they then relay that out to an audience. And that, that's a very hard thing to cast. Um, you don't always get it right. Um, thanks to social media, you find out very quickly these days when the audience doesn't like what you're doing. Um, and then you have to respond to that accordingly, which is sometimes not always what the audience would like. Um, but I think you have to listen to the community as much as you know, rely on your own assumptions to what works. Conscious of, of the time here. Quickly, a big question people might want to know. A little bit about the studios. Obviously, everyone knew the iconic BT Sports studio over in Stratford. Uh, you're not using that? You're changing your setup a little bit? Uh, we have, yes. We've, we've moved the team to West London. That, that was a journey. 
Uh, we had to t an, a, a physical and mental journey um, to say to people that what you've done for the last 10 years has been remarkable and BT Sport has a really had, had solidified their place in this market as a genuine and respected sports broadcaster. Uh, we had an operation already in place in Chiswick, uh, which is where our main office is. What most didn't realise in the ground floor of that building is the playout centre to some hundred channels that we also look after, not just sport. Uh, we can't just pick up that business and move it simply. Uh, we also had the award-winning Cube, which was based out at Stockley Park at Long Walk Studios. And the logical conclusion for us was to expand what we had uh, at Long Walk Studios into what we have today. We've got some of the most state-of-the-art uh, virtual reality studios that we now employ across all of our sports. So we have two full virtual studios plus the Cube, which is a physical virtual studio. Um, and that's now where we broadcast all of our production. Um, we're mostly in those studios, but I think to be connected to the fans, as you will see in our Premier League production and some of our Champions League production, we're also on site. So it's a balance between the studio delivery and what we need to do on site. Thank you. Just in case people wanted to know what happened to BT Sports Studios, no longer, but it, it had a great 10 years. It has, it has a new client. It has a new client. It had a great 10 years as well. Uh, I'm really conscious now of time. I want to ask you a little bit about women's sport on the channel going forward. And the reason I wanted to ask you about that, because I'm sure a lot of you, again, will have seen kind of their launch campaigns. And one that stands out in my head is the big campaign that has four women on the front of it, which was uh, Reshman Chowdhury, Jules Breach, Lindsay Hipgrave, and Laura Woods, of course. And just kind of your thought and the channel's thought on bringing four people who are leading your channel's coverage. A remarkable group of women who, again, are passionate and knowledgeable about their sport. They lead by example every time they go out there. Um, they are very much that brand manifesto of, of let's do something that is not just different for different sake. You know, no one is on air because we're trying to tick a box. And in fact, I've leant into that and said, we are ticking boxes. We want credible, passionate, intelligent people in front of a camera who can be dynamic to an audience and people want to listen to what they've got to say. And they can work very well with the pundits who need to stand next to them. Um, the casting piece for TNT Sports was really important for us to make sure that it wasn't just who was going to be the presenter, but how they worked with their pundits, their co-coms, and, and how they also worked across different sports. So Laura, obviously, you mentioned boxing at the beginning. You know, Laura went from her Champions League broadcast straight in the plane to Saudi Arabia and then broadcast the fight on the 28th. So I think we've got not just those four women, but we've got a remarkable group of people who we've spent a lot of time working in the, the ideation of what TNT Sports is. There's many other women involved in that. Uh, but I think to expand on your question, uh, women's sports are really important for us as they should be with every sports broadcaster. Um, for a long time, Eurosport has had 100% of women's road cycling, um, not, not by fluke. That has been very much by design. And at the moment, it takes a little bit more pressure or more time, actually, to find the right women's sports packages than probably we should. Um, it'd be great to see those surfaced um, on mass and on volume like other sports are. Um, but you'll see some announcements fairly soon of other major women's sports rights that we have acquired um, that we'll soon talk about. Um, so those packages are about to expand significantly. There will be many more women's sports rights available on TNT as they are on Eurosport. And, and worth talking about the Olympics. Um, for the first time ever, the Olympics is gender balanced. 
So 10,500 athletes, and they have gone out there and said there is equal men and women actually competing, which I think is quite a remarkable achievement for the Olympics. Uh, yes, it might be a little bit frustrating that it's 2024 when they can make that announcement, but at least they got there. Um, and all broadcasters like ourselves have to make sure we make a concerted effort to make sure it's not just balanced participants, but balanced pay and recognition for how you actually achieve. So making sure the prize money is equal is also a really major important part for us. Thank you very much. I am going to stop questions. I could ask a lot more, but I hear we've got a lot coming on Silo, Scott. So uh, bear with me while I quickly uh, pick. Uh, there's so many. Let me just start from the top, maybe, and work my way down. Um, Scott, first up, what's your, ooh, what's your approach to in-housing content production versus working with out-of-house agencies? Because you kind of alluded to this a bit. Uh, how do you decide to balance the two? Um, there's a couple of things out of that. The one decision we made which was very unpopular at the very beginning was to bring football in-house as an internal production. We did that because there was a balance between some of the football being produced externally and some of it being done internally. Um, I've said this on a number of different forums. In no way was that a reflection to the production house that was delivering that sport for us. Um, it was a decision about how we bring a team together to say that team needs to be needs to produce football as a unit and have the entire ethos and this brand manifesto in their head as they deliver a sport. We rely on a number of production houses externally to deliver major sports. So you would know from North One, who deliver our MotoGP production, Buzz 16 deliver our rugby production, and that doesn't mean that we won't stop there. Um, we also look to our own producers and what they would like to be able to develop because if it, it, this is where the balance is. If you, if you make everything external, you don't give your own internal staff the runway and the ability to produce content, but you can't do everything to this level of 73 sports and 14,000 hours a year. You can't do that internally. Um, so you need to rely on the expertise in the marketplace. You also need to rely on somebody else's creative ideas. We don't have all the answers by any measure, um, but we enjoy working with companies that are very closely aligned with our brand manifesto. Quick one, which I think you, you can answer this one quite quickly, I hope. Are you planning to streamline the branding? So Eurosport, WBD and TNT in the future? Yes. Thank you. I thought you could. That's why I said that one. I was like, we get one answer there. Um, do you think short form viewing will become more popular than full live games? Well, that, that's very much targeted towards your audience, right? And I think that's where we have a very successful tntsports.co.uk. Um, that's where you'll find short-form video also sitting on Discovery+. Plus. Um, we've just launched the NBA, so on the 24th of October this year, the NBA launched on TNT Sports and Discovery+. Plus. It's nine matches a week. We're now broadcasting the production that we do out of the US directly onto TNT Sport that's to a different audience, right? And that audience will consume some of those matches in one, three, and five-minute highlights. They'll also want to go back and watch the entire matches. So I think that's, it's very, uh, that's very targeted to demographic and access to the content. Uh, next one, there's so many, I'm just picking. Uh, do you, yeah, I think I can ask you this one. Do you plan to increase the amount of Premier League games you show on TNT Sports in the UK? Can you? That's more of the question, because Sky's still... Have some. I'm answering we'll, we'll, it without letting you. We'll just move on from that one. <laughs> okay, tick that one. Go. Um, we kind of just answered this one. Do you do you have plans to show more women's team sports in the future? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we have we have a 
we have plans, and, and as I said, we've actually signed and we'll soon announce team sports, individual sports, individual athletes. I mean, but when I get to the point where it's this is no longer a talking point, that we have a sports channel with men and women's sport on it, not targeting to how we're actually managing to find more women's sport. That is that is the internal discussion that actually happens at a, at a board level inside of our management group in the sports business, um, right through to our producers. So that's a. It's not, we're not there, and by, by no means would I even suggest that, that we've managed to achieve this, but it is a mission. Um, what is the idea behind driving TNT brand in WBD sports versus TNT general entertainment channels um, that were rebranded re within WBD and not using TNT brand anymore? I think I understand that question. Yeah. I, um, when I read it, I was like, kind of convoluted, but so, thank so you. So TNT sports is a sports brand in this market. Um, in America, TNT is a channel of which TNT Sports content sits on that channel. That, that does not exist here. So we have very successful channel, free-to-air channels such as Quest, um, Really, DMAX, you know, plus our other subscription channels. So TNT Sport is a sports brand only. That sits on Discovery Plus. Um, it will then sit on Max from 26 onwards. But there isn't a TNT entertainment brand in this market. In the future? No current no, plans. No current plans. Um, how would a rights holder go about engaging with TNT slash Eurosport to move their production from YouTube or similar to your channels? Just ring. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone be asking look, for your number we, now. Look, we have, <laughs> it, it's, you first you've got to acquire the rights. Um, in order of, we have to have the right to broadcast that sport. Um, we work with a lot of sporting federations across Tier 2 and Tier 3 sports into how we actually surface their sport. I think the advantage of something like Discovery Plus is you're not bound to the limitations of a 24-hour linear channel. And even though we have four of them currently, um, Discovery Plus allows us the endless opportunity to be able to surface new sport. Um, I would think COVID gave us a new insight into sport production where you could actually not have to totally focus on 4K, 24 camera coverage of something before it was acceptable, accepted on TV, that you know, the content and the story around the sport was what everybody wanted. Um, and I think that's why now we can look at many different production solutions rather than just the traditional large OB. Um, we kind of mentioned this one, but kind of continues the conversation. What's your ultimate goal regarding access to athletes in terms of the locker room access, all the things you, you currently do? I guess where is your end goal of where you'd like to take the fans in said football match or MotoGP or NFL? Yeah, I, think, I think that's easy to answer. We, we want to make sure that their story is told. Right? We're not making television for us and sometimes it takes a while to remind our producers that it's not really for them. But we want to get people to be captivated by the achievement of the athlete and the sport that they're in. And, and I think sometimes it's very easy to gloss over that what they're doing is, is quite simple or normal. And when, in fact, if, if you're in a sport that's broadcast on a linear channel, it's going to be a sport at a professional level that's going to be quite remarkable. And for that athlete or that team to achieve that, there's a story behind it. So we want people to be as captivated as sometimes some of us get the knowledge and you know, we're very lucky behind to know those athletes and know what it takes to get there. It's how do we tell that story? That access can't be just via field of play. It has to be what has got them to that point and then what has happened after their competition that they're then gonna move on from.
So kind of a work in progress with every sport. Is it very different, of course? Last question, I think. Sorry, guys, because time is up, six minutes over. Um, how are you planning on making TNT sport content more interactive? Quite like that one to finish. Yeah, look, that's a, um, I think the, the interesting term of AI these days, right, is something that we're all looking at and how does AI drive uh, our sports experience. One thing I love, and at a sports technology conference recently, I saw some evidence of trying to do AI commentary. And the one thing that I loved is it was, it didn't have the passion and emotion that you need to tr truly tell a sports story. I think uh, in, in learning about access, accessibility and portability, is, is the main thing around sport. Watch our content, enjoy our content in any way you can, wherever you want to be, uh, whether it's short form, long form, on a big screen TV, in 4K, Dolby, whether it's just on your phone for two minutes, um, but let the, con let the consumer make the choice. I hope that answers some of your questions, guys. Sorry we didn't have time for all of them, um, but Scott Young, thank you so much for coming here today and, and sharing TNT Sports with everybody. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the Broadcast Sport Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe, and we'll see you soon for the next episode.